Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Danny Parkin Show. Let's do this. Happy week two of the NFL season. Thank you very much for hanging out. It is the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio, radio radio.com, Sirius 206, coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studio. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. 855-212-4CBS is the telephone number. I am at Danny Parkin's. On Twitter, Therese Paler from Yahoo Sports, NFL writer, reporter, columnist, will join the show in an hour. We'll discuss the new face of the NFL, the new style of play of the NFL that we're entering, the disaster that is unfolding before our eyes with NFL officiating, a tanking team, and so much more. But we begin with 10 things at 10 o'clock Eastern from week two in the NFL. Gentlemen, can I have some NFL music, please? Thank you. Number one, and these are not all in any particular order. I'm not ranking them. Some serious, some not. But 10 things from week two at 10 p.m. Eastern. I'm not sure we've seen anything quite like this Dolphins team. I saw the Lions go 0-16. I was at the game at Lambeau Field in 08 when they lost their 16th game. That team was bad. That team was incompetent. But that team was trying to win. And the players on the field for the Dolphins technically are trying to win because they're playing for film and guaranteed contracts and maybe their next gig. But... Minka Fitzpatrick requested a trade. Kenyon Drake apparently requested a trade. I'm sure more are not too far behind. Why is Xavier Howard there? Why is Christian Wilkins there? That's going to get really ugly soon. I think you're going to start hearing words like mutiny around the Dolphins. They're just straight up not competitive. Brian Flores has the worst gig in the NFL. He's a defensive coordinator from the Belichick tree trying to replicate a system that can't be replicated, playing for a team with a fair-weather fan base in a city that only shows up when the team is winning with an organization that's trying not to win so that they can draft a quarterback, and when they draft the quarterback, they're going to replace Brian Flores with an offensive-minded head coach to groom that quarterback, and he's going to have an 0-16 record on his belt. Brian Flores, set up to fail. Feel terrible for the guy. Number two, Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson are shepherding in a new era and new style of NFL football. I don't know how much of Baltimore, Arizona you guys watched today, but it was fun and history was made with both quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson, the winning quarterback, first player in NFL history, with at least 250 passing yards and 120 rushing yards in a single game. Randall Cunningham never did it. Steve Young never did it. Mike Vick never did it. Cam Newton never did it. Lamar Jackson did it. Second year in the NFL. 
So far through two games, he's 2-0 and with seven touchdowns, no turnovers, completing 72% of his passes. Lamar Jackson looks legit, as does Kyler Murray. You know, if you didn't watch the end of the Lions game last week where he had two touchdowns and two point, two, two point conversions in the fourth quarter and you didn't watch that game today, Kyler Murray is the first player to open his career with back-to-back 300-yard passing games since Cam Newton. This is not a guy who is looking to run. He is looking to pass, and he is airing it out. Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, both over 100 yards receiving. David Johnson got hurt in the game, then came back. They were hanging with the Ravens on the road as a 13-point dog on the strength of Kyler Murray's arm. It's Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson, man. That is a style of play that is fun. Number three, 10 things at 10 o'clock from week two of the NFL. While their style of play might eventually take over the NFL, it's Pat Mahomes' NFL, and we are all just living in it. His second quarter today against Oakland is the best quarter of football I've ever seen. 278 passing yards and four touchdowns in a quarter. He's pacing for 56 touchdowns on the season. Regression my beep. Dude's ridiculous. Back-to-back weeks with over 300 passing yards in the first half. He's going to win back-to-back MVPs. If he does, he'll be the youngest player ever to do it. It would be number two. Keep in mind... Peyton Manning has the most MVPs ever with five. No one's ever had four. Three guys ever have had three. Their names, Brown, Favre, and Brady. Anyone want to bet against Pat Mahomes winning at least three MVPs? I don't think so. Number four, 10 things at 10 on week two of the NFL. We saw two coaches try to go for two and the win at the end of games. Doug Marone and Vic Fangio, the guys who are coaching Gardner Minshew II and Joe Flacco, went for two in the win. Fangio goes for two, ends up not winning because Eddie Pinheiro pulls the miracle and doesn't work out for Jacksonville. Leonard Fournette gets stopped, but I've been waiting for the NFL to play for the win, especially they've backed up that extra point. Good job by both coaches. Neither coach got a win, but we're process-oriented over results-oriented on this show. You want to play for overtime with Gardner Minshew against uh, Deshaun Watson? I don't think so. If you can't gain two yards, you don't deserve to win. Good job by Vic Fangio. Good job by Doug Marone. Neither of them got the win, but both of them made the right call. Number five, the more games that are played, the more injuries that pile up, And the more that we get reminded that luck, and not Andrew Luck, but luck is a huge indicator of success or failure in the National Football League. We've already lost Andrew Luck because he didn't want to deal with the pain. Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, Nick Foles. That's what? An eighth of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL already hurt? Not to mention players all over the place you know, getting banged up and all that. We got Carson Wentz hurt in the Sunday night game tonight. Such a huge thing is luck. The Bears, the team I cover here in Chicago, three years ago, most games missed for starters on IR. Two years ago, most games missed for starters on IR. Last year, fewest games missed for starters on IR. They went from four straight last place finishes to a first place division title, almost won a playoff game and won 12 regular season games. 
They were the healthiest team in the league. That's not a coincidence. Luck is a huge part of winning and losing in the NFL when the gap between the third team and the 23rd team is as narrow as it is. Number six, you'll pour one out for the dirt at Oakland Coliseum. We know it's the Raiders last year in Oakland. We know they're getting sued. We know they're going to Vegas. We know they're a dumpster fire of an organization that guaranteed $100 million to the coach. But the next time they play a game in the Coliseum in Oakland, baseball season will be over. So that ridiculous dirt will be off the field. I hope you enjoyed it while it lasted. One of the silliest, dumbest things in the NFL. The idea that there's still dirt in an NFL game. Like, you got eight-figure, seven-figure, six-figure athletes, best in the world, and we don't have uniform playing surfaces across the league. We can't even agree on types of grass, types of field turf, but in Oakland, you got to play on dirt. Last game ever, we should have an NFL game with dirt in the middle. Julio Jones just scored a touchdown, by the way, in the Falcons-Eagles Sunday Night Football game for all you fantasy fans out there. Falcons kicking an extra point to go try to go up 17-6. Start of the third quarter. Number seven, 10 things I saw in week two of the NFL. I worry the Texans are going to waste Deshaun Watson. My favorite college football player ever. I thought he should have gone number one in the 2017 draft over Miles Garrett. Obviously, now that should have been Pat Mahomes. But been a huge fan of Deshaun Watson since I saw him throw the first pass of his career at Clemson as a true freshman opener against Georgia after the uh, fifth-year senior had a couple of bad drives. He's an amazing football player. He's an incredible leader. Everything you read about him, he seems like a good dude. But the Texans are going to get him killed. He's been sacked 10 times in two games. Laramie Tunsil hobbled one off the field, traded every first and second round pick that they have to give him a running back and a left tackle, and they still can't keep, keep a mobile quarterback upright. Bill O'Brien has to figure something out. The guy couldn't fly last year because of a collapsed lung. He's torn an ACL in both knees at various points in his career. I don't want Deshaun Watson to break down like Cam Newton or fall out of love with the game like Andrew Luck. Houston, please figure out a way, please, to protect Deshaun Watson. I assume most of you were watching Bears, or excuse me, were watching Rams and Saints today, so you did not take in a lot of the Bears Broncos game. I'm here in Chicago, so I did. Consider yourself lucky, not because of the, the game. The game ended up being weirdly entertaining and wild late. But, yo, Dick Stockton is still calling NFL games. I had no idea. Dick Stockton. They're celebrating the 100th year of the NFL, and I believe it's Dick Stockton's 100th birthday. Dude's a legend. Unbelievable. Versatile broadcaster, but this game is too complicated for Dick Stockton to be calling that game. Game is too fast. We don't have enough time to go over all of the things that were wrong with that broadcast. Just like how I can't believe that they're allowed to play like billion dollar teams are allowed to play on a dirt field in Oakland. I don't get how billion dollar broadcast deals are allowed to employ billion year old people. Like that's just, that's not a product that's acceptable for the NFL in 2019. I'm sorry. 
Mark Schlereth was like he was doing a home game for the Broncos on the preseason on like a Broncos own television station. And Dick Stockton was talking about, you know, black and white football back in his day. It was it was rough, man. They they have got to upgrade that booth. Got a stat for you if your team is 0-2 or 2-0 because Dolphins, Bengals, Giants, Steelers, Washington, Denver, Jacksonville, Carolina, all 0-2. Obviously, Cleveland could still fall to 0-2. Falcons tonight could fall to 0-2 even though they're up 17-6. Last year, seven teams started 2-0. Two of them made the playoffs. Seven teams started 0-2, and two of them made the playoffs. So don't give up on your squad yet, but historically, it's about 12% of teams that start 0-2 that make the playoffs. Of those teams, the team with the best pedigree is Pittsburgh, but I don't love the spot that they're in. Obviously, Baltimore looks really good, but haven't played Pittsburgh yet, so if Cleveland is awful, I think Pittsburgh has the best chance of the 0-2 teams uh, to make it. I could see Jacksonville's defense rallying because Gardner Minshew isn't that bad, but we don't have to go that far back in NFL history to come up with 0-2 teams who made the playoffs. Two of them did last year, and only two of the uh, teams that started to an of the seven last year made the playoffs. So all is not lost, but the deck, uh, the deck, the deck certainly stacked against the Dolphins, Bengals, Giants, Steelers, Skins, Broncos, Jaguars, and Panthers. Last one, 10 things at 10 o'clock, week two in the NFL. Then I'll get to your big takeaways at 855-212-4CBS. That's 855-212-4227. React to anything that I'm talking about or you weigh in on the biggest things you saw in week two of the NFL. I already straight up hate Antonio Brown on the Patriots. Oh, boy. I know it was the Dolphins, and I know that their C squad could have beat them today, but... Jet sweeps to Antonio Brown, Edelman over the middle, Gordon on the outside, Sony Michelle in the backfield, Antonio Brown all over the place. Four targets in what the first like 20 minutes of that game when the outcome was still somewhat in doubt. I have no idea what's going to happen when Antonio Brown's accuser meets with the NFL investigators tomorrow. Maybe he'll be put on the commissioner exempt list. Maybe this will be the only game we see Antonio Brown play for the Patriots and if so they would have beat the Dolphins uh without him or with his hands tied behind his back or they would beat the Dolphins playing 10 on 11 much less with Antonio Brown being their 11 so he didn't matter today but if he gets to play this season he's going to matter a lot for the Patriots and yeah I'm jealous because that is the best wide receiver that Tom Brady has had since Randy Moss in 2007 now, Gronk has been, he's a Hall of Fame tight end. He's the most dominant tight end in the history of the game. So, Gronk at his peak was, you know, a comparable weapon for Tom Brady. But in terms of a receiver, versatility, deep threat, precision route runner, you've got a game plan against. This is the type of talent he hasn't had since Randy Moss. And it feels straight up unfair how they got him. And now that they have him, it feels straight up unfair that he's there. 
855-212-4227. Those are the 10 things that I took away from week two in the NFL. We hear from you on what you thought was the most impactful news and notes from the day. But also, I think we got to prepare for a Hall of Famer who's going to retire as soon as tomorrow. That's coming up next. It's the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. This is the Danny Parkin Show. Discussing week two of the NFL and your top takeaways. I gave you my top 10 in no particular order. Uh, to start the show, we'll do that most weeks. 10 thoughts at 10 o'clock Eastern. It is the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio, where our toll free line is 855 212 4227. It's brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Tough times for Adam Vinatieri. And the Colts, the, the Colts won the game today. So he didn't cost them back to back weeks, but the Colts should be two and zero. and Adam Vinatieri missed two extra points today. He missed three kicks last week in a game. They lost by one score, including an extra point. He's missed an extra point in four of his last five games. Adam Vinatieri is a hall of famer. Adam Vinatieri is the oldest player in the NFL. Adam Vinatieri has had an absolutely remarkable pro football career. There's probably no kicker in NFL history that you feel like you wanted lining up for a big kick than Adam Vinatieri. I know that there are numbers on Justin Tucker and there are numbers on Goskowski and there, there are, there are some numbers that are better, but in terms of the guy who you feel like you wanted to, I'm not sure that any fan base has felt more comfortable than Patriots fans back in the day felt with Adam Vinatieri. So it's a remarkable career, but we know that father time is undefeated. Steven Holder covers the Colts. He shared this exchange on Twitter He just grabbed Adam Vinatieri when he was headed to the bus, and he said, quote, you'll hear from me tomorrow, end quote. I told him we don't see him tomorrow, and he said, yeah, you will. Sounds like Adam Vinatieri is coming in on his day off to quit. I can't blame him. I have no idea if that's actually going to happen. Jim Ursay said they'll evaluate it and they'll see. Don't want to make decisions in the moment. Obviously, that's the owner of the Colts. But... Sounds like Adam Vinatieri saw the writing on the wall, doesn't want to go out in embarrassing fashion, feels like he cost his team in week one, easily could have cost his team in week two, and Adam Vinatieri is going to hang it up. It's unfortunate that it's got to go out like that, but think of the expression, all things end badly or else they wouldn't end. It's kind of what it feels like for Adam Vinatieri, and there's no shame. You are the gold standard of NFL kickers. You've made money as a pro for over two decades. It is a remarkable accomplishment. Matt Bryant gets a look. Robbie Gold gets a look into his 40s. You are setting the standard for the position. And kicker, by the way, is like the uh, low-rent quarterback in the sense that there aren't 32 high-caliber starting NFL quarterbacks in the NFL. And there are not 32 high-caliber starting kickers in the NFL. And I should even remove high-caliber as an adjective. There are not 32 adequate NFL starting quarterbacks. And there are not 32 adequate NFL kickers. Ask Vikings fans how they feel about their kicker. 
Ask Bears fans before Eddie Pinheiro hit that game winner today how they feel about their kicker. Ask Chargers fans how they feel about their kicking situation. So there's no shame in Adam Vinatieri, the game done passing him by. But that's exactly what's happened. Like There are more than 32 NFL caliber wide receivers. A bunch of teams have two or three that you'd love on your team. Team playing tonight. Falcons have Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. Doesn't even seem fair. Kirk Cousins is wasting Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs on the same team. Doesn't seem fair. Baker Mayfield's got Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. There are plenty of good receivers to go around. Plenty of good linebackers. Plenty of good pass rushers. There are not plenty of good quarterbacks, and there are not plenty of good kickers. And now Indianapolis can add franchise quarterback and NFL kicker to the list of things they need to go shopping for because that is straight-up ugly. I could not believe that stat when I saw it earlier today that he's missed an extra point in four of his last five games. That's crazy. That is a crazy number for an all-time great. James, Matt, you hang on. You'll be up first, but 855-212-4227 is the number. Your top NFL takeaways from week two. Therese Paler from Yahoo Sports in half an hour. This is the Danny Parkin Show. All right, 855-212-4227. It's the Danny Parkin Show. We'll talk to Therese Paler in just over 20 minutes. Doug Peterson, I see you out here. I love what you're doing. If I'm going to crush NFL head coaches and college coaches, by the way, for not knowing what the hell they're doing in situational football, I got to give credit where credit's due when uh, they take the shot. Just like Vic Fangio and Doug Marone both went for two and the win earlier today, and uh, neither one got the win. Fangio got the two-point conversion. Marone didn't, but it was the right decision in both cases. Doug Peterson, five minutes left in the third quarter. He's got fourth and four, fourth and goal from the four. Could kick a field goal to make it a one-score game. He's down 17-6. Could kick a field goal to make it 17-9. He goes for it. Gets the touchdown, ends up not getting the two-point conversion, but now it's 17-12. Now a touchdown puts him in front instead of needing a touchdown and a two-point conversion just to tie. Once you get down deep inside that five-yard line, coming away with six instead of three is so valuable, and coaches seem to forget that if you don't convert, the other team is often screwed and going to get really conservative with their play calling because they're backed up against their own end zone. Cliff Kingsbury... Offensive innovator, we're going to talk more about them later in the show. He had me saying ooh and ah many times today with some of the sophistication of his play calling. He's got a young quarterback who looks like he's going to be really, really good in Kyler Murray. Last week did the same thing, down 17-0, kicked a chip shot field goal, make it 17-3. Today, two field goal attempts as a 13-point underdog, 21-yard, 22-yarder, and I think another field goal from less than 25 yards today. It was just so conservative when you get down that close. Go for six. That's what you need to do. Good job by Doug Peterson recognizing time and score. 855-212-4227. Let's hear the top takeaways you had from week two in the NFL. Matt is in Massachusetts. He's on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, Matt? Danny, how are you? Good. Um, How are you? um, Listen, as a diehard Patriots fan, the minute that I heard that Antonio Brown uh, was signing with the Patriots, and I remember exactly where I was because I was driving home from a family function, 
I was about halfway home on a two-hour drive. When I heard him that he signed with the Patriots, I almost drove off the road. And the reason I almost drove off the road is simply this. The Patriots don't need this guy. The Patriots do not need this loose cannon on the team. You saw how they were last week against Pittsburgh. Did it look like that they needed him? I mean, no, but I mean, I, I don't. I don't need bacon on my cheeseburger, but it's delicious. Like it, it makes you better, Danny. If I wanted bacon on my cheeseburger, I would have Antonio Brown and bring Terrell Owens out of retirement to join the Patriots. Danny, well, no, but but T.O. is ancient. Antonio Brown's thirty-one. He led the league in touchdowns last year. I mean, come on, listen, I know I was Matt, Matt, Matt. You might you might not like you might not like Antonio Brown, but would you admit that he makes your team better? Easily, but the problem that I see here, Danny, is this guy represents everything that is against the Patriots, which is about team. I mean, if he doesn't get the ball next week against the Jets. Anybody think he's going to keep his mind together? I mean, we all saw what happened in Pittsburgh and Oakland. I'm sorry, but I just – I love the Patriots, but I can't get behind this move at all. Listen, I I hate it too, and I appreciate the telephone call. I'm surprised to find a Patriots fan who hates it. When you say it's not the Patriot way, I mean, they've employed way worse people than, uh, than uh, Antonio Brown. They've brought in guys who were – written off in other places. I just, I hated how it happened because it it felt like it was orchestrated and not just getting out of Oakland. It felt like Antonio Brown wanted to be a Patriot. The Steelers wouldn't trade him to the Patriots. So they traded him to the Raiders and then Antonio Brown strong armed his way to the team that he wanted to go to the whole time. So Oakland gives up a third and a fifth and gives a guy a contract and he never plays it down for him. Like I, my problem with it is yes, that he ends up with the Patriots and that stinks for the competitive balance of the NFL. It feels cheap and unfair and just like a cheat code that the best franchise in the NFL gets the most productive receiver over the last seven years. And all they have to give up is a little bit of money. But I also felt like it threw the competitive uh, balance and integrity of the league into question. If you can be traded to a team that you don't want to be traded to and yet sign a contract with that team and then strong arm your way out of there, why would anyone, why would Buffalo trade for anybody? Why would Jacksonville trade for anybody? Why would bad organizations trade for players if a player could just turn around and force their way out of there? You'd have no guarantee that the guys are going to go there. I'm all for player empowerment. I just hated how Antonio Brown went about this. And it felt so orchestrated back from, you know, six months ago, honestly, back in March when the initial reports were that the uh, Steelers wanted to trade him, that this whole thing just didn't, doesn't sit right with me. And then I see him out there today, just Brady throwing it to him early and often. I'm like, okay, here we go. Here's another 14-win Patriots season with a one seed. AFC Championship goes through Foxborough. Sweet. Seen this story 19 times already. 855-212-4227 is the number. James is in Jacksonville. He's on the Danny Parkin Show. James, thanks for calling, man. Hey, how you doing, Danny? I appreciate taking my call. 
Um, yeah, no, I thought it was late enough. We could talk about the Jags and, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, Patriots fans would have gone to sleep by now, but, uh, <laughs> anywho, so no, I wanted well, you to wait a minute. You guys are in the same time zone. Why would Jacksonville fans still be awake and Patriots fans asleep? Don't like, doesn't stereotypically older people in Florida go to bed early. Well, maybe if you're older, but you know, if your team's doing well and your day went well, then you would think like you okay, sleep cool. easy. Huh? Yeah, you'd be you'd be satisfied with what you got. But anywho, okay. so I, I wanted to speak towards Gardner Minshew. He, the dude's rocking it. Look at his numbers last week and also this week. Dude carried the team, and also the two point conversion that they went for, I completely agree with the call. I looked at my buddy and I told him, I was like, please don't go for two. And he was like, this is the call. This is when you go for two. And I was like, I agree, but they're going to run it up the middle. And if I know that, then they know that. Also, Jalen Ramsey. Man, I dude, I, I don't buy NFL jerseys. I, you know, I, I'm frugal with my money. I, I do my thing. I make good money, but, you know, it is what it is. Okay. The dude's got to have some self-control. You don't do that. That's not being a good person. And he claims to be a good person. I understand that he's good at what he does, but he needs to look in the mirror. You don't push your coach. You don't put him in that position because you're not going to cut Jalen Ramsey. He's the best player on the team. So you just put Doug Marone in a terrible situation as well as just made an ass of yourself. And your your squad your that, squad is zero and two. Do you think they can come back and make the playoffs? In all honesty, we'll see. Uh, it, okay. dude, Minshew, he's got he's got a little bit of spunk. I'll, I'll see what he does. I'll watch it. I have no expectation. However, hey, good game today. I'll give it to him. All right, I'll man. I appreciate. Here, man. I appreciate you. Listen, that was a, that was a tough spot on the road. First start. Put film out there in that game against the Chiefs. The Chiefs defense is porous. The uh, Texans defense is not. And uh, you know, didn't get in the end zone until very late in the game. But Gardner Minshew protected the football, moved the football, and had them with a chance to win late in the fourth quarter. So given that none of us knew who Gardner Minshew was, if you were just a straight NFL, you know, uh, fan, you know, he finished, I think, fifth in the Heisman a couple of years ago, transferred around to a bunch of different colleges. He's got that Uncle Rico thing going on. Unbelievable porn mustache. Like Gardner Minshew has kind of become a meme and a, and a fun thing on the internet. But most of us did not know who uh, Gardner Minshew the second was uh, before last week's game. But he definitely has swag. And that matters. It's weird, but rallying guys in a competitive atmosphere and a competitive situation like an NFL locker room and rallying them around you, it matters how you carry yourself. And Gardner Minshew carries himself like he should or like he expected himself to go out duel Deshaun Watson and win a football game today. I'll tell you, uh, you know, I'm covering the Bears and doing my afternoon show here in Chicago. They obviously had the Cody Parkey double doink missed field goal last year. They brought in all of those kickers. It was the Circus Act. Most of you know about it if you follow sports closely. Nine different kickers in minicamps and OTAs. You know, 
Augusta silences, making him kick in, in silence, reporting all of the makes and misses, even in closed practices to the media. Just a, like a whole clown show to figure out who the kicker was going to be. Guys were saying on the team, you know, guys like Akeem Hicks and Tariq Cohen and guys like that, they were talking about, and we're not going to say who we like in this publicly. It's not our job, but they let on that there was a kicker who had some swag. And there was a kicker that was just carrying himself a little bit differently. And they were saying that while the competition was going on and other guys were still on the bears, but they're like, well, so veteran players, pro bowl players, all pro caliber players were saying, you know, there, there is a guy that we, that we're noticing, but it's not our call. And then when Pinero won the job, everyone came out and said, yeah, that was him. He was just the guy who wasn't intimidated by anything. And if you can get a locker room to support you when you're a kicker, a lot of NFL locker rooms, they're like, there's the football players and then there's the specialists. But for the specialists to have the respect of the football players, that matters. And I just tell that story to say it's the same type of thing with Gardner Minshew. How he carries himself matters a tremendous amount for, you know, Nick Foles, Super Bowl champion, $20 million quarterback. Everyone gravitates to him. He's the guy. He's they've moved on from Blake Bortles. How is this Gardner Minshew character going to come in and steal the day? By carrying himself like a 10-year pro who believes that he should be there. We, we see it with these young quarterbacks, too. It's, it's getting more and more common. The era of the robotic, cliche machine quarterback, I'm cautiously optimistic is beginning to be phased out of the league. And that's a lot of qualifiers that I put on that intentionally because Russell Wilson still has never said an interesting thing in his life. Dak Prescott has never said an interesting thing in his life. These are young star, highly paid quarterbacks, but Josh Allen, a little bit of personality, Lamar Jackson, a little bit of personality. Baker Mayfield, a lot of personality. Hunter Minshew, not nearly the caliber of prospect as those guys, but clearly a lot of personality. Pat Mahomes doesn't really say too many interesting things, but face of the NFL, doing national television commercials, looks like he is going to wear superstardom very well. Wentz doesn't say much interesting. Goff doesn't say much interesting. Trubisky, not good enough yet for anyone to really care about what he says, but he certainly doesn't say anything interesting. I'm just going through young quarterbacks in the NFL. But I am, when I saw Gardner Minshew carry himself like he did, I was like, oh, you know what? I hope it works. I root for quarterbacks who have a little bit of edge and a little bit of swag because the vast majority of them never say anything interesting. And ultimately what matters is how they play on Sunday or Monday or Thursday nights. But the quarterbacks who can uh, walk the walk and talk the talk, those are the guys who can be the face of the league. Those are the guys that are just more fun. It's more fun when your quarterback is also interesting. And most quarterbacks throughout NFL history simply have not been interesting. And I got to be honest, I was interested in the Gardner Minshew story. The um, 
he referenced Jalen Ramsey and going with, with Doug Marone on the sideline. You obviously can't get into a confrontation that's physical with your coach. It's obviously crossing some sort of line. But what I would say is the players that I've talked to about this stuff, when the camera catches a human moment on the sideline, someone dropping an F-bomb, someone screaming at each other. We saw Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers verbally spar back and forth, and a lot was made of their relationship in the offseason. Rodgers, after the game, said, I mean, we weren't talking about how much we loved each other, but we weren't MFing each other either. It's just two competitive people in the heat of a moment. It's really not that big of a deal. Most of these players have respect for their coaches, have respect for their teammates, and sometimes in an instance, it boils over. And you've seen coaches do it too. Coaches go ballistic. Coaches put their hands on players. Coaches slam down you know, tablets or headphones or, or whatever the case may be. These guys work 100-hour work weeks. It's their livelihood. There are non-guaranteed contracts for players, and there's only 16 of these games. Something goes wrong. It's hard to go over there and say, sorry, sir, I'll get you next time. I was open, but please find me on the next time I run that post pattern. You know, it's just, it's not reasonable. It's not like you're in my job. The ego, the testosterone, the masculinity, the athleticism, the stakes, the money, the pressure, the fame, the number of eyeballs that are on you, that stuff happens all the time. It's just we've had HD cameras and guys mic'd up and focused on the sideline in like seriously extreme ways more and more and more, so we catch it more often. That's all it is. So my guess is Jalen Ramsey and Doug Marone, that story's over tomorrow. Maybe it comes out that they find him if he made actual physical contact with his head coach. Maybe, but he's not going to get suspended for that. It's an NFL sideline. Coming up next, Therese Paler, one of my favorite people in the world to talk football with, columnist, reporter, journalist from Yahoo Sports. Best thing he saw today and where the league goes from here heading into week three. Therese Paler next, Danny Parkin Show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.